For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts. There's a lot of weather-related stories making the pop areas today. Like, for instance, we were talking earlier in the week of the chances of a of snow on Christmas Day. I don't know, these odds are a couple of days old now, but I remember reading that the chances of snow on Christmas Day, 8 to 1 in Cork, 8 to 1. Um, we'll have to wait and see whether that actually... They say, on average, Ireland has a white Christmas every six years. The last one, I'm not quite sure when, but uh, it's every six years. Then it wouldn't six years ago, I suppose, if we're to have it this year. But anyway, the papers this morning are speculating as to whether or not we'll get snow. And the headline in the mirror says, say it ain't snow. I think a lot of people would like it. I mean, I know it's cold and it comes with all of the hassle and motoring conditions and everything. But there's something lovely about a, a white Christmas, isn't there? And so in some parts of the country, temperatures will be right down to minus four, minus five degrees. Bear in mind, that'll be their overnight temperatures. So bear that in mind. I must be, I walked out last night actually quite late. I don't know what it's doing, bringing in the bins or putting out bins or doing something or other. Uh, but I was thinking of anybody that might have been living on the streets or doorways last night because by 11 o'clock last night it was totally and utterly Baltic. So could you imagine what it would have been like at 2 or 3 or 4 this morning? Yes, thank you, Kevin. It will have been, it will have been 13 years since our last White Christmas. Fair play to you. Uh, the last one was in 2010. And that was a tough one, wasn't it? That was a really bad one. It absolutely uh, paralysed everything. So Ireland has had nine White Christmases over the past 60 years. 64, 70, 80. 93, 95, 99, 2004, and 2010. It seems to me, when you look at those numbers, we are way, way overdue a white Christmas. But there you have it all the same. Uh, in other news this morning, of course, uh, very much dominating, is finally giving Ungarda Chicana some of the powers and the equipment that they need to do the work that we ask of them. Because really, if you're a law-abiding citizen, you shouldn't have any worry in the white earthly world that Gardaí will be kitted out with tasers, that they will have enhanced pepper spray, as in stronger stuff. Um, down will go people like a sack of spuds if they get a smack of the taser, which actually is non-lethal. There's no actual touch involved apart from the electric uh, beam shock itself. Nice shields, much newer ones, smaller ones. Um, the, the ones they have the one are very big and they're very cumbersome apparently uh, and that's just the start of it. They're also going to get body cams, armoured vehicles, water cannons. It's, it's, it's sad to be saying all of these things that we live in times where we need all of this and for many years of course a reasonably peaceful country like Ireland didn't require it but that's all changed now of that you can be sure. War on thugs is the headline then making this morning Sun's front page. The Mail says... Gardi will, and the word will is underlined, Gardi will use force to protect the public. Of course they will. Why would they be giving them all of the equipment uh, to stop people or to protect the public if they weren't going to use it? Gardi will resort to the use of force in public, says Drew Harris. He's not for resigning. He says Thursday's uncontrollable riots in the capital outlined that new measures were needed. But my question is, the, the 200 additional tasers, like, is this just for Dublin? Because 200 additional tasers wouldn't even be enough for Gardaí in Dublin. And then on top of that, it's public order units. So my reading of all of this is that it's not all members of Vanguardia Shikona. It's those engaged in public order units of Vanguardia Shikona, which is probably a limited amount. And then 200 tasers as part of a major clampdown in Dublin City. So when would this be rolled out when we'd be talking about many, many more tasers, a lot more body cams, a lot more, for instance, um, pepper sprays and smaller shields 
um, for Gardaí right across the country. So Stunder arrest is, but it's a start, uh, I know, um, but uh, 200 tasers wouldn't go very far, would they? So the mayor calls it Stunder arrests. Uh, the tasers and the embattled minister um, talking about, um, you know, not resigning and wants to be able to get on with doing the job. Front page of the Star calls it zappy days today. All riot guardy to get tasers after the violence in Dublin. But again, is this, as it seems to me, a Dublin city solution? But did you see the Fianna Fáil councillor down in Limerick, um, who uh, a fellow by the name of Azad Talukter, uh, they were discussing um, the events and the riots and the, the stabbings in Dublin. Um, and apparently he later apologised and he says, I just got very emotional. It just kind of went to my head. He, he wanted, he, he wanted, um, here's what he said in, in, in Limerick City Council. He said, I'd like to see them shot in the head or bring the public in and beat them until they die. I mean, I understand now he got a bit emotional, but that's quite emotional. He later apologised for it. I'd like to see them shot in the head or bring the public in and beat them until they die. A passionate guy. Uh, there were testy exchanges in the Dáil as well. Here's what happened in the Dáil, among other things, yesterday. Um, member of Sinn Féin, frontbencher Louise O'Reilly, held up apparently a, a photograph, a picture of an intoxicated man sitting down drinking adjacent to the school in Dublin where the children had been stabbed last Thursday. I'm reading from this morning's Irish Independent. Uh, the man had urinated on himself, she said, and this was the sight that greeted parents picking up their children on Tuesday afternoon. And um, Now, I don't know why she held up the picture because at the end of the day, this is still a human being and it would seem to be a vulnerable human being to me. But you can do these kind of things in the doll. That man would have been very readily identifiable. Uh, I understand the point that she was trying to make, but she got an awful lot of people shouting from the other side that you are out of order. That is a vulnerable person and should not be used, nor should his photograph be used to make a political point. But uh, Gardy will step up patrols here on Leaside at the run up to Christmas um, and from tomorrow. Front page of the Echo this morning says there will be extra patrols across the main shopping areas and streets as part of the Christmas policing plan. Many would love that this were the way all year round, but certainly the Guardi are stepping up patrols in the city with the run-up to Christmas um, because businesses want that reassurance, and so do shoppers, to be honest with you. Not just the traders, but the, but the shoppers as well. And much of, of the conversations that we have of late have to do with people who come to live here and set up a new life. Now, the rioters and the thugs and the scumbags and the hooligans um, were from all walks of life and all different nationalities, don't get me wrong, but much of it is under the umbrella. These these riots are under the umbrella of, of uh, open migration policies. But this morning, the Star says that the number of asylum applications into Ireland rocketed by over 400% last year, with a fifth of the people coming from Georgia. You have to wonder why. Now, last week, I gave quite an amount of statistics comparing the movement and migrancy across the European Union in general. And Ireland is way ahead of everybody else with the amount of asylum, international protection orders uh, and refugees that are coming into the country and much of it of course has to do with the uh, with the welfare and the packages and the attractiveness of Ireland as a destination. One in seven in our prisons now are non-national according to John Jumbo Cairns in the Mirror this morning. One in seven prisoners held in Irish jails is non-national uh, and they go through all of the different prisons and they break it down between men and women um, and uh, that, that's bound to happen as you become more multicultural. You'll have more people from different countries of course breaking the law themselves. But they're, they're talking in the sun this morning that we need more jails and there's been a promise. How do you, how do you fix the problem of overcrowding 
we've said it on the air many times, you, you build more prisons or you build more jails or put on more cells. So they're promising an extra 600. There are many will say, though, that that doesn't do anything. The people go in into jail, they come out even more hardened criminals. There's a fellow that made the papers. He makes the Examiner and the Echo. I'm reading it from Liam Healan's copy of the Examiner this morning, um, where the judge said it was difficult to scuff, stomach what your man did. He, um, a fellow by the name of uh, James Hogan uh, from Mayfield, he was up around, uh, he was up around, was it up around Bell's Field, I think, if I remember reading the article correctly. Um, he, had a, he had a pitchfork and he attacked three Brazilian people enjoying, enjoying the view of Cork City. Then he turned on two women who came to the assistance of the three Brazilians and gave one of their two, gave a bad beating. One woman actually said that she uh, never in her life imagined that she would be punched repeatedly in the face and chest by anyone. So he was actually, um, his solicitor said that, you know, he said, you know, in, in response to the charges against Hogan, Hogan says, I've no recollection of this. I had no idea why I had the pitchfork. I had no idea what I was doing. He was very, very drunk at the time. But the judge gave him six months, a term of six months um, in jail. Uh, it's particularly horrific that anybody uh, would, would go out, arm up with a pitchfork and attack people. I don't, I don't know, man, what's happening in our society at all. Um, one other problem, of course, for people trying to live their lives. Safety is one of them, but having a place to live is another. And the Independent this morning lead with the increase in in rents it's hard to understand how if many areas now are kind of deemed and they're they're captured if you like in in um rent freeze areas but yet landlords when when people move out and new people move in there's an average of 11% increase being put on the rents so it's way ahead of rent protection zones so if you look at the national figure now and the independent does not give a number uh, for dublin uh, sorry for cork uh, they, they they should really, but they just give it for uh, the capital. The average rent in Dublin is two thousand one hundred euro. Apparently, and the national figure is fifteen hundred and seventy four. So probably, if I were to take a stab at it, I'd say, pardon me for using the word stab, um, I'd probably say that maybe the Cork rent on average is anywhere between eighteen, sorry, nineteen hundred and twenty one hundred a month. Perhaps maybe that's a little high. Maybe eighteen to twenty or maybe 1800 to 1900 a month. The lowest, though, interestingly, the least expensive place now to, to rent a home, and we're talking about a home, a three-bedroom semi, is County Donegal, €522 Euro a month. And that's something, €522 Euro a month in Donegal, and the dearest um, in Stillorgan in Dublin at 2300 It's a big difference, isn't it? It's over four times the rent. Papers then also talk about um, a bit of a first world problem, I know. Um, electric drivers and range anxiety. 85% of electric drivers in Ireland say, yeah, the running costs are down. Yeah, it's cheaper since switching. But range anxiety is still their biggest problem. 62% of them say they like the electric car. But unfortunately, um, of those surveyed, 55% of them say that they've experienced range anxiety anxiety on a regular basis and that of course is fear of the battery running out like could you imagine if you were you know for whatever reason caught if you were heading east for instance and maybe half four quarter to five of a Friday afternoon on the Ring Road and you wanted to go up the Dublin Road or head east down along to Middleton and the traffic is just absolutely back to back stopped not going anywhere and and you're in an electric car like, you, you know, j- jump in, yeah, because yeah. like, unless you shut it down, turn everything off and turn it back on when you're moving, 
You're going to run out of battery. You're run out of battery. It's not necessarily the road to Dublin. It could be traffic jams. Anywhere. I, I was, that's why I was telling you last week my brother was over in the UK and he was getting back to Stansted uh, Airport and there was an accident and uh, some fella hit a deer or something and the traffic was backed up for, you know the way, it's over there like on a Sunday night coming back into London that's yeah. going to be absolutely mental anyway. Never mind to say when there's an accident. So he said um, huge tailbacks and then he said when the traffic did eventually get going again, they were trying to dodge electric vehicles that were uh, that were stranded oh really the, a yeah, number of them stranded in the fast lane or in the whatever just so that because get, of the tailback they ran out of they electric ran out juice. Of juice and they just had to stick on the hazards and wait to be rescued it's it's. you give is, the car back when that happened to you, I, you? Just, I mean I would if that happened to me once nah man it's just the anxiety of Greg Canty had an electric Greg no. Canty from Fusion PR yeah. had an electric Jag were you on the air with me at the time oh, you gave it back oh, brand I, new electric oh, Jag oh. gave it back I fed up of pulling into charging points up and down to Dublin yeah, just gave it back We've, 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 we've spoken to a few people on that before and I know some people find it great like I know one person who's living a little bit north of Cork and they get it and they charge it overnight and it brings them up and down to Dublin in the day and they said it's great and the technology is getting there but I really don't know is an electric car the full time solution for this especially like I mean if you're flying along a motorway right and you arrive at that accident uh, 45, 50 minutes after traffic has moved and it's all clear all of a sudden then you have something stuck in the fast lane with its hazards on like that's going to be that's going to be bang. a huge safety bang, issue bang 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 all day so, alright text 0868104106 on that one um, interesting just very finally a little bit of research for you because if you look at shopping baskets now and the run up to Christmas they'll be full of lots of different things but boxes of chocolates and tubs of chocolate will be in there and this morning the sun breaks down Cadbury's Heroes Celebrations um, Quality Street and Roses and they are giving the price of them they're all pretty much the same price they're talking about 650 for the 550 gram tubs actually the Quality Street is bigger um, but anyway the point being how many sweets are in the different ones if you want to know which one has the most it is the Celebration Chocolate Tub with 65 sweets and the others have like in and around 62 to 63 so the one that's chock full assuming you like the Celebration box with your Milky Ways and your Snickers and stuff like that uh, 65 in that one and it costs per chocolate at 10 cent so now you know get it off your chest call Neil Prenderville now on 0818 104 106 Red FM. And you can text 0868-104-106. Pick up the phone on 0818-104-106. We've a lot of ground to cover this morning. Um, I want to chat with Alison, but just ahead of that, some people might find this uh, conversation upsetting, and I'm just alerting you to the fact that the Samaritans are always available on 116-123. Alison, good morning. Hi, Neil. How are you doing? All right, you all right, girl? Um, I'm I'm not too bad. I hope you got a couch last night as opposed to sleeping in the car last night because it's damn cold. Where did you sleep? I actually stayed in um, a friend's house. All right. She's been okay. good through the whole of it. Okay. So. You're in and out between the car and friends' homes, isn't it? That's what I'm told. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. My um, my family, but my family stay with um, someone else. Then I stayed. No, and I, I'm, I'm just want to, I just interested in your, oh, okay, in, your okay. in your own story. Yes, you know oh, what yes, I'm saying? Yes, uh, there yes, are aspects yes. to it that I can't go into for obvious personal okay, reasons to okay, you. So no, you're great. you don't listen. You have enough to be going on with now without having to apologise to me. I, I'll, I'll tell you what we can do and what we can't, and I'll do it for you gently. So don't worry about that. How often would okay. you be in the car? Um, every weekend. Every sec, every weekend, okay. probably on a Saturday, okay. on a Friday night, and a Saturday night. You park up somewhere with a duvet or something, is it, or what? Yes, a duvet and um, a quilt, and I just have to keep the heat on then and make sure there's gas in the car, so the car will stay warm then for the night. 
Okay, so your petrol and the car running. Um, yeah. So that it's actually really cold outside, like so. And getting colder. I mean, is there a possibility that you'll be sleeping in the car over the next few days, over the weekend? Yes, I will be, like I do every weekend. So do you wake up to a totally frosted over car or does the, the heating keep a toast? I wake up and there's actually frost coming over my mouth. <laughs> like running a car yeah. all night. It's like, I mean, you've only got limited amount of money, I would imagine. Yes, yes. I'm only on end social welfare payment at the minute because I'm actually out of work. Like, and, and without going into huge amounts of dis, de, 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 detail, you're on a council list 11 years. Um, you ha, had a home for a period of time that the landlord said was selling and you had to move out. Um, I, I hope to God he did sell and didn't put another tenant in after you went. Um, do you know what actually happened? I'm not going to come on air and I'm bad about my landlord because you know what? My la- landlord is actually brilliant to me. Well, fair play but to the you. situation was I was overholding because I knew that the situation, I knew that I, I watched the news and things, so I knew the situation that the country was in with the homeless situation, but I didn't realise that it was to this extent, if you get what I'm saying. I do, yeah. So, so who I could blame you, I know. Yeah. I was supposed to be out of the house since March of last year. Now, my landlord has been very good to me. He wanted to sell the property and build his own home, which I understand I was in that property for six and a half years. My rent was paid up to date. Mm, mm. Everything. So um, eventually, like, eventually, you were overholding. So, you know, what happened is they came up one day, this is to make a long story short, they came up one day, um, for uh, I was in the house for six and a half years, came up one day with bailiffs and guards, had the locks changed, everything, uh, and my life has changed dramatically since that day. And that date was in and around the 14th of August. Um, no, no, it actually would have been end. It would have been the end of August. It would have been the twenty ninth of August. Okay, okay. It would have been the twenty ninth of August. But certainly, the month of August just gone was a very significant month in your life because it was you were piling on the worry and the anxiety, right? And yes, because um, I was asked to get a letter on the Friday, which would have been the eleventh. The eleventh. Yeah. Yes, it would have been a Friday. I was to go. A letter. Um, no stating that they were coming up and um, yeah. they were coming up removing me from the house whatever I got on to the council and the council said look there's going to be six footmen coming to your home and I didn't want like, me and my family seeing that obviously so um, like I got like I just I actually didn't know what to do to be honest like so my head just went so like I find it really really even hard to talk about this now to be honest like so what I done was I drove around the car I'm going to be honest, look, anyone that knows me knows I'm an honest person, look, people don't know my private, like, but it's Cork, like, not New York, so... No, but I, there are aspects of your life that I'm very keen to keep private, and that's fine by me. Yeah. You, no, you got I, that. No, I don't mind because... No, like, well, you know, I, believe okay. me, it's, it's, it makes sense. Believe me when I tell you, we, we'll, we'll, we'll just deal with your situation and what, yes. what and how things ultimately unraveled after yeah, say well, for I instance the, I got that letter on the Friday and the Monday I was actually pulled out of um, Kennedy's key in my car so you you drove around Cork probably bewildered not knowing where you were going to go or what you were going to do um, what, driving around with what in mind um, do you know what I'd, I don't really know to be honest I had so much on my mind I actually didn't know at the time but I just I didn't like the fear of becoming homeless. Like, is a traumatic experience for anyone. 
especially me and my family like okay like it's so like, like you I, just you just saw absolutely no other option but to drive down and again I, I warn people by virtue of the fact that this is this is very disturbing because I remember covering the story at the time um, yeah. uh, down around Kennedy Key wasn't it yeah <laughs> are you alright take yeah. your time you're grand you're grand what, what, what was it like what, what, what was it like I mean just even you never mind contemplating, but actually doing. Like I love my, I love my life. I love my life. I do actually love my life. I want to live till I'm about eighty or ninety. But it was just kind of it just kind of, it seemed like the only way out for me was to just drive my car into the river. <sighs> but you know, okay, and and when when you did that, did. Oh, oh, oh. Do you, did you regret? Did, did, did you regret it the moment you did? I, of course, I did it. The minute I hit the water, I regretted it. Of course, I did. Of course, I did. Hundred million, zillion, zillion percent. I regretted it. The minute, the minute I done it, I regretted it. I was delighted that that man came in and saved me. I was delighted because I'm here for me and my family now. How did the, you? Some some men saw it happen. I think they might have been in and around. By go- Everyone nearly was video. I get to that point. I get to that point because I recall that also. But I think there was a, a group of men spotted what happened. They may have been in and around Goldbergs or that kind of an area, and they ran. What, so so, what do you recall? Of you recall somebody um, getting into I the? Actually, I just went into the river. The water that the car started sinking up. Obviously with water I started panicking and everything I couldn't open any of the doors because with the water none of the doors would open so the water the car just kept on <laughs> filling up and filling up <laughs> so a man came in and jumped in a man on his own a man with a red t-shirt that's all I remember he jumped in and opened the boot of the car I don't know how we done it and just took me out of the car. And if you blink, you you would blink. All right, that car was gone down. I was saved within the blink of an eye. With seconds to spare, you're saying to me? Not even a second. If you blink, all right, if you've seen the video, the car was gone down. And then when I got out of the river, then I was so I was like, I felt like I just shouldn't have done what I done. That was the first thing that came into my head because I I love I love life. I do love life. It's just I didn't love what was happening at the moment. When that, like, when all them things was going on in my head, and every single person was videotaping, that man was the only man that came to my rescue. Was that so man there were people the on the quayside or around, yes, uh, or pulled in, what pulled in in cars and started taking their yes, phones out? Video, yes, videotaping, videotaping, doing nothing, tell anyone or nothing like that, like just videotaping, and that's when I got more distraught than over. Because I remember at the time you had said that it was a problem with the brakes or the hand. I have to say that. Yeah, no, sure, listen, I know. I have to say that, look, I have to say that. Yeah. I don't want to leave this world. I don't want to leave this world. It's just everything got on top of me. Like, I have people that love me. And, and as, I love a lot of people too. Of course you do. Listen, I, I, and come here, there was another heroic rescue of another car that I don't know the reasons, I'm not even going to speculate about that, where two fishermen and a, and a, and a, a man working on the keys, all of them jumped in and saved the life 
Yeah, uh, Rick, what's you said at the time I went down to the river to clear my head and I was just sitting there uh, it's an electric handbrake in the car and I didn't know what happened and the next thing yeah, I knew I, I was in the water you, was, that because you were, was that because you were ashamed? ashamed. yes I was ashamed because I love my life I love my life I love my life and I love my family now, I have family, I have family what, members that love me yeah well, your mam, your mam certainly loves you because we were chatting with your mam this morning, and she's very worried about you. In fact, I, t- I tell you what, we won't. We're not. I'm not going to go into aspects of of, of other okay, parts okay, of, of your life. You're, no, you listen. You have enough to be worried about this. That's my job. You're fine, um, but your mam is very, very, very worried. So you are you are loved. After that event, what happened after that? Um, they brought me to St. Michael's. They brought me to St. Michael's for. Um, um, three days and they just left me go home because they said it was just something that went in your head you know um, like I don't drink I don't smoke um, okay. I don't do anything like that like so like they said to me like you've no drug dependencies so there was or, no outreach program or nobody no, that would take no, you on to help no, you or no, uh, what, no. what about uh, emergency accommodation remember now a few days later there were bailiffs and locks changed yes. and, and also what happened I next? I got put up in the Commons for um, a weekend. Me and my family got put up in the Commons. In, in the weekend. Commons Inn? In the Commons Inn. And the, and, um, okay, for how long? For, um, from Friday to a Monday. So just a weekend? Just a weekend, yes. Okay. And what happened after the weekend then? That was accommodation provided by... On the mon- uh, then I got a phone call then on the Monday again. Said the year being moved again. So we were moved again. But what, why were you being moved? Because they were moving another family in. But sure, why wouldn't they just move some that family somewhere else? Because they don't have, like, the emergency accommodation is full. Like, the emergency accommodation, there is no emergency accommodation. Right. There so, is, like, so, the, uh, the places are full. They don't, have the, they don't have the resources for the amount of people that are becoming homeless. Yeah, but I don't understand the sense of moving one group out to move another group group in. I, I also had thought that the Commons Inn primarily would have been for Ukrainian war refugees. Yes, it is, but there's some Irish people okay. out there as well. Okay. Yes. So, yes. Okay. Yes. So from there then to an emergency B and B. Out in the Western Road, yes. Right. And how long did you manage to stay there? Um, about 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 twenty odd days, I'd say. And after that, I was told to move again. To where? On Halloween, night, on Halloween night. To nowhere. Just self-accommodate. Just go? Just go, yes. Just go. Because I was so, obviously moving another family in there. So you were instructed to go, and those that made that order, whomever it was, I'm quite sure it wasn't the B&B. They were instructed by whatever state services provided. Yes. You were, you were instructed to go, but yes. with nowhere to go. Yes, they okay. told me um, self-accommodate. Self accommodate where? Um, just I don't know. I said this to them. I said this to them. I said where? Where? They said I don't know. You just have to self accommodate. Okay. I'm actually on a waiting list to get into a family, the family hub, our Eagle House. I'm ringing this. I'm ringing thirty days today, bar Saturday and Sunday. So after you moved out, is that when you started um, sleeping and living in the car and doing the bit of odd couch surfing with friends? Yes, this is it. 30 days is going on today. And then my stuff then from the house I put into a storage in Little Island 
and it's 370 euro a month and I'm just robbed from trying to keep my stuff there because I had an hour to get the stuff and there's too much going so on in, yeah. in my mind now to even be I don't know so how do you spend all so of the, how do you spend all of your time now just have to go there hair, hair down everywhere like there's nowhere that I actually can go like do you know where you're going to be tonight no nor the weekend you know it's, it's very it's very cold at the moment it's going to the, the weekend I'll probably be in the car because a lot of my friends have been good to me but one friend in particular has been brilliant to me she's been the best in the world to me and I don't want to be in too much on this like so no I know well it's, I'm glad I'm glad to hear that at least but that's unreliable it's it's, inter- well, it's intermittent have, what if I didn't have um, a good friend like what would I do then or if I didn't okay. have my mother and where do you I don't want to identify where you go and where you where you sleep in the car for your own safety but how do you pick where to where to park up and sleep wherever it's safe I know uh, places like I'm I'm in Cork a long time I know where it's safe in Cork and where it's not safe and are you always say? I mean, do you drive out of the city to a quiet, secluded place, or no? I wouldn't. No, I wouldn't, because there's actually some parts of the city that's actually too safe. Okay, down down a down a lane or down a quiet road or no, a quiet street. No, no, no. Okay. It wouldn't be like no. no. Okay. So does anybody come across the car or come over to you? No, 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 no. I know a lot of places like where like people don't know. <laughs> You see, I would imagine it's upon. I don't know how much sleep you would get of a night, but I say one of the hardest. No, but I even didn't sleep properly since I didn't sleep properly since all this happened. And what do you I do then for uh, food or hot food or hot drinks or washing or takeaways? Takeaways, takeaways, takeaways. Me and my family are living on takeaways. Well, what do you do then for, say, for instance, washing or showering? Um, I'm not too bad. Sometimes I go to the. Um, sometimes. Just going to deal with your own story, you know. As to, I'm going yeah. to just deal with your day to day living now at this stage. But yeah, Christmas, I'm not living. no, I'm not no, living. you're not quite the opposite. No. So, how, how do you feel about the way you've been treated? Because um, we've we've, we've a very divided society now, where some see others getting everything that they need and living reasonably comfortably at the state's expense. Well, but look, yet, I'm not mad at the end of the day. Look, I, like I think every family deserves a home so look I wouldn't take a home away from any family like so I just think it's, I'm being treated unfairly that's what I just think okay okay so we're only we're only weeks to Christmas this is yep. the last day of November today I believe tomorrow would be the first of December so we're just over just over three weeks um, Christmas yep. is probably a million miles from your mind is it yes for sure look I'll have to get on my I'll have to get on for my yeah, No, I know, I know, but like, so, it's what you should be looking forward to and, you know, being excited so how about. Can, how, how, can I, how can I look forward to Christmas? How can I? I can't, I can't even think straight. I walk into a room and I don't even know what I'm after walking in from my brain is that many miles away. So when that incident regarding the car in the river happened and you went to hospital and you stayed there for three nights for assessment under psychiatric yeah. care... You were just left to leave even yeah. though you had attempted to take your own life and had to be saved from the river. And there was no follow-up in any way, shape or form no. as to your welfare. No, not a thing. Not a thing. Not even a phone call. You see, that's, that's bizarre to me because how do they know that somebody in your situation mightn't attempt it again? 
surely there's a responsibility from a health service when somebody does something like that, that, that cry for help. They don't care. So my, um, when I went into the river, I actually, I think um, I damaged my nose. I had two black eyes and I couldn't move my hands. I was after getting um, trapped nerve damage in my hands, you know, from the impact of me hitting the river. Do you have, nightmare? do you have nightmares? I do. So And I can't swim. I cannot swim. I cannot swim. And still that man, I don't think that man wants to be found. Look, I don't think he wants to be deemed a hero. Like, but if the man is listening this morning, I'd love, like to say thanks very much to the man. You would like to know who he was? I don't think he wants... I don't, like, unless he's probably not on um, the internet. No, because there's a lot of people that isn't on the internet. But I would like to say thank you to the man, obviously. Mm. Of course I would like. Even oh. if he didn't want to meet me in person, like, just to say thank you to the man, like, because... It was so good of him. He risked his life to save my life, like, and there's not many people out there like that 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 would do that, like. It's sick the way people film with their phones, isn't it? That's the part that I was most distraught about, and the fact that I'm coming out of the river just seemed like I was saved by a split second. If that boat didn't open, like, I wouldn't be on this. I wouldn't be. You uh, wouldn't be talking. You know? And and do you know if, for instance, the people who filmed the incident and you coming out of the water? put it up on social media, shared it? It was honest, yes, it was honest. But um Cop Bio um took it down. You could you couldn't make it out who it was. Because they actually just gave them um, a wrong age. They they knocked a few years off my um <laughs> own age. Did they so, was the video of you and the car being you've been taken out of yeah. it shared? Yeah. Yeah, t- yeah. It was all over the internet, yes. Yes. But you couldn't make out who it was like but if you knew who it was, then you'd know. Yeah. Is it still Is it still there? I don't know. Do you know what? No, it's even too frightening even for me to... I wouldn't even... I don't even ever want to see that video. I'd never even go down there ever again. Okay. The Marina Market, there's one around the corner from it. I wouldn't even go down to the Marina Market over that place. Being yeah, I, I, I have to tell you, and I don't mean to over-upset you, and, and I think they should they should think twice about it. Cork Bio have your... Cork Bio have your have your video up on up online here. Some not yours, but somebody with a very shaky mobile phone from the other side of the key. The yeah, Penrose the Penrose side. Yeah, that's yeah. it. That's what purpose does what purpose does that serve like somebody's tragedy to be filmed and shared like that? I I don't know. I don't know, Neil, to be honest. Like I don't know. What's like. gonna happen now? Um like is there any chance having gone through everything you've gone through that you'll get something before Christmas. I don't know. I and would you I mind if I got onto the if we got onto the council to ask, is there anything at all considering that you've been through that you could find somewhere safe and comfortable? Yes, anywhere. To lay your head at like night. Even, like even a hotel. Mind your grand. Stop apologising. Stop apologising. I'm only doing my job, and I'm only helping you through. Your grand. Someone just to lay my head at night. That's okay for me. And tell me this, um, this might sound like a silly question, but would there be any chance that you'll be able to have Christmas dinner somewhere? Um, yes, I will. Okay. Hopefully, okay. yes. Okay, okay. but what you, want is, what you want is a home. Yes, yeah. but look, even if, even, if, even if I can't get a home, once I, once I have just somewhere to lay my head at night time, I don't mind in somewhere to go in the daytime out of the cold, obviously, and not have to sleep in my car on the weekend. So you were all told that after you spent a little time in the Commons Inn, 
that you had to move out because somebody else had to move in. You're not yes. specifying who or whether there were war refugees or anything, although... I'm not, I'm, I or, look, I don't want to command the Although, although my understanding is... My, uh, okay. All right. Yeah, but you, you were... You were told to. You were moved to a B and B. You spent another few nights in the B and B, maybe a couple of weeks or whatever. And I actually say and they actually told me I was moved out for a Ukrainian family to go Well, that's that's what um, I was. That's what I was. That's what I was told. I and I, I don't want, know whether I, that is the truth. But I just didn't want to come on the phone and sound racist. Because look, well, I think it's not. It's not that. It's just like like it's just that. It's just not right. You know, it's just not right. I mean, I understand that. People have to have somewhere to live, is, but I just think every child deserves okay. a home. Like so after that, then you went, then you went to the B and B, and you spent some time in the B and B. And after that, then you were told, "Sling your hook." You weren't told those words, but the words to the effect of "Sling your hook, find your own." Yeah. Yes. That's okay. Charming. That's charming. I have to say that is charming. So do you? Do you I mind? Actually, sobbing, and then they said to me, "We're going to have to get the guards. They come and take you over there." And the guards actually came in and just told me leave. I left. I didn't okay. Okay. kick up or anything like and that. And are you? How are you? No, no I mean, do, do, do you do you get any counselling about the event on the quay? Do you do you? Do no, you... I'm still actually waiting. To be honest, I okay. go back up to my own doctor, my own GP, and you, um, there isn't a fear that you get down enough that you might even start. You might even start contemplating like something like that again. Please don't. No, 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 no. Okay. I have too much. I have too much to live for. I have too much to live for. I know. Look, things aren't. Go my way at the minute. I understand. Look, but look, I'll have to get through it. Like, so I know. There's nothing I, know. I can do. Like, I have to get through it. Not an easy conversation to have, and um, you know, you you know, exactly. really, really nervous even coming. No, I'm mean, like, like it's very personal to you. So you know, some people would 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 not want to share because they would be just so mortified by the whole events in their life, you know what I mean? Look, I have to do what I have to do for my family. Everyone out there has to do what they have to do for their family. Well, yeah, and and it's important that you do tell the story as well. And and I'm, I think it's very brave of you to to correct what you said about the reason why the car ended up. That's a brave thing to do, to correct why I the car actually ended up in the river. I, I didn't want, I didn't want to... I don't want to leave this world. Of course, I don't want to leave this I world. Listen, nobody wants and you to leave. Anyone that ever is thinking that, don't ever think like that. Because the people out there that love and adore people, and if they only realised how much they were loved and adored, that probably wouldn't even cross their mind sometimes. Okay. Well, listen, because if we can, if you're yeah, a if burden on people, you're not a burden. I mean, people. But some people think like that. And you did. You did in the moment. Of course, you did in the yeah. moment. But thankfully. Yeah. Thankfully, your life to tell the story. Two things now for the short term. One would be lovely to find the chap who saved your life in August, and secondly, you're okay with me sharing this with with City Council and Housing, um, because yes, I just want to know. I just want to know whether your conversation with me will make any blind bit of difference to getting you somewhere where you can actually live uh, in comfort, because you clearly have HAP and everything that goes with it. They must. They must provide something. They have a duty of care. Even if it's an emergency accommodation, yeah. it's okay. safe and secure. I don't okay. mind. Thank you for sharing for now, Alison. We'll be back in touch again. You're very brave and you're very kind to tell your story. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right, mind yourself. And give yeah, your mama give you. your a ring. I know you're in touch with her all of the time, but give her a okay. ring now because she'll be very proud of you, all right? 
Okay, thank you very much. Talk soon, talk soon. Text 0868104106. Text 0868104106. Text the Neil Brinderville Show now. 0868104106. Red FM. And yet you have council houses boarded up. In fact, there were council houses not too far from where Alison was living when she eventually left the property. She admitted to being overholding and and fair play to her. She was honest enough council houses in the area adjacent to her um, just completely boarded up. A uh, lot of texts coming in, so do get involved in the conversation. Text 0868104106. Mary says, uh, what an utter disgrace, heartbreaking to hear that poor lady's story. Our own Irish people being thrown to the gutter and left to rot. While everyone coming into our country is waited on hand and foot to their every need. It's time our shambles of a government went. Time for change. Time for an uprising before our country is lost forever. I love the show, says Mary Jane. What kind of an uprising? Uh, Because you certainly don't want to be encouraging like the events of the uh, Thursday night last week in Dublin. But I understand what you're saying. So she spends a little time in the Commons. This is a woman who then went on, of course, to attempt to take her own life. TG, she didn't. A little time in the Commons. Then into a bed and breakfast for a little while and then told, off you go now, you need to self-accommodate. Isn't that a lovely term, self-accommodate? If we didn't hear of stories like Alison's, of course, we wouldn't know half that what's, half of what's going on and half of how people are being treated in the country we live in. And then bizarrely, and no disrespect meant at all, but you just couldn't make this up, um, the, the, the bizarre scenario where Ukrainian families who are being very much looked after here and we should be proud of the fact that we can do it. We can do no more. We certainly can't do any more. We've done as much as we can. But that they're going home for Christmas and that their accommodation is being held for them. Text 0868104106. Back after 10. The Neil Prenderville Show. Red FM. How goes it? Back to calls, texts and comments in a few minutes' time, but more opportunities today to win Panto tickets. So, yes, you can. Family passes, and each one of the family passes involves four tickets for Jack in, and the Beanstalk at the Cork Opera House. A lot of rollicking fun and fee-fi-fo-fumming. And the uh, curtain's up on the 2nd of December, and the Panto runs with nighttime performances and some matinees as well until the 20th. 1st of January. Uh, we are the media sponsors, uh, co-sponsors with Sketchers. So family passes to give away again this morning. Don't call just yet, but you if you're listening regularly, uh, then you know the cue to call. This is what you're listening out for. Beans. Did you ever hear the lights of it? Alright, sorry about that. Uh, get that line switched around. Magic beans. Did you ever hear the lights of it? Okay, caller nine always wins on 0818104106. And again this morning, we have some great stories all week with regards to our 300 euro Hanley gift cards. You get 300 euro, or at least you will nominate somebody, hopefully, who will win the prize. And they'll go into Hanley's and they'll spend it away to their heart's content on everything that's needed to make Christmas truly special. So anything you might need for in inside or outside the home with regards to decorations at Handley's. Um, I see one of the things they have, if you ever fancy doing outdoor lighting and rather than using little old fairy lights that are only fit for indoors as opposed to outdoors, uh, they got some really good heavy-duty outdoor lights. I picked up, I picked up some of them. Well, put them aside and let's go back and pay for them. But they're outdoor lights and they're very heavy-duty and you can keep on connecting them 
um, without actually using separate plugs or anything. So all that kind of stuff, they think of everything. So a 300 euro Henley's gift card to give away uh, and you can spend it out at uh, the uh, Kinsale, Kinsale Road Christmas shop. So nominate for that one, uh, who you think should win it and tell us why. A 300 euro Henley's gift card. Nominate who should win it and tell us why. By text, please, to 0868 104 106. Right, I have more to come between now and uh, midday, but just quickly, I've just mentioned there's a big story going around at the moment because Spotify yesterday uh, announced or told everybody it probably dropped into your Spotify account how much you listened to Spotify during the year the types of music you listened to the amount of songs that you downloaded and listened to if you haven't checked it out do so the amount of podcasts you listen to um, and uh, everybody's chatting about their own ones um, forgive me without wanting to hog the limelight but I'm, I'm very proud actually of my Spotify report yesterday it said that um, I really should be living in Galway because my musical tastes are most similar to the people of Galway. I listened to 1,778 songs across the year. I listened to 12,734 minutes of uh, Spotify. Now, some of that could be... I listen to very few podcasts. I should listen to more. But some of that will be our own podcast that we had such tremendous success with. You couldn't make this up. But 12,734 minutes of Spotify listening. So the vast majority of that would be would be music. They categorize you into different types of people. Uh, I'm categorized as a vampire. I'm not quite sure why that is. I don't know why that is. Is it that the, my musical tastes are dark? But they're not. And my top three artists for the year, they were rolling their eyes at home to this this morning. But my number one listened to artist for 2023 was Planksty. Very proud of that, being Irish and the greatest of Irish music. So Planksty was number one, Horselips were number two, and Fleetwood Mac were number three. I pass it on for what it's worth. Probably nothing. Cork's biggest conversation is here. The Neil Brenderville Show is on Cork's Red FM. And it is Cork's biggest conversation only because you guys make it that way and I thank you for that every single day. A lot of texts on the situation Alison finds herself in. I'll come back to them in a few moments' time, but uh, calls are very important too. Anna standing by, so is Aline. First up, Stacey, good morning. Hi, Neil, good morning. Uh, what, did you, what did you make of that conversation? Um, no, I didn't hear all of it. Okay. Um, I actually went along myself, but um, I got the story sheet um, in a rental property. Well, you know um, you know that she, the car went into the lee and um, she had to be pulled out the back window. Oh, yes, I like I... I sympathise with her for all that, but um, my text was in relation to the overholding properties and overholding and the councils. That's part of her story was that she did overhold. Her landlord was very understanding for a long time. She overheld yeah. for quite some time because she had nowhere to go. I know, and I sympathise with people like that. I do, but I also think people should hear this side of the story go that ahead, people don't hear from. So, um. Obviously, I sympathise with anyone over uh, in a position with nowhere to go, obviously, this time of year, um, freezing cold. Of course, you sympathise, but at the same time, what about the people who actually own the houses, the landlords? Because I have a family member who is also in this position trying to sell a home, um, who came from all the way across the world, uh, recently flew home to sell the property. The tenant was given her... Um, her actual notice and writing the specific length of time required. Yeah, a genuine case of selling the property. Yeah, yeah. a genuine case. Yeah, and, yeah, okay. Um, and this tenant now living in a three-bedroom house and her own no children. Now, 
doesn't matter. He's, like, obviously, but it might be easier for someone on their own to maybe stay with family members or find somewhere to stay rather than if you have a person with three, four, five kids, you know. Uh, everyone's situation is different, but basically her story is this tenant is overholding and actually refusing even to leave the auctioneering to see... Um, can any potential buyer is there a home. sign up is there a for sale sign up there is yes um, and she just won't leave anyone in to view the property okay. there's 14 interest in this um, she's just refusing and, and um, is the rent being paid every month do you? I'm not, I hope I'm not prying no 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 um, it is but at the same time this house has been given for a lot less than what the actual homes in Market the area because yeah, yeah. um, she's been in the home for say eight, maybe 8 years so she's getting the house a lot cheaper than what the actual going rate is. So obviously you sympathise with people with nowhere to go, but at the same time, it isn't the landlord's problem. And I is the overholding going on long? Um, yeah, it's about three months now. Okay. Months. And has there been any yeah. conversation between the owners of the property and the tenant overholding? Oh, yes. Like um, when this family member came home to sell the house a couple of months back, um, this tenant basically said, I'm not going anywhere, being cheeky, which was not not needed. Um, and obviously she's going the right route um, with, the obvious, with the different people trying to escalate the situation. She wants the property sold, needs a sold for personal reasons, etc. And because the fact this tenant won't even leave people in to view the house is absolutely scandalous because obviously the sale of a house is going to take another month or two. And my point being, it's not the family member's fault that this person has nowhere to go. Yeah. You know, that kind of way. It, yeah. Like, it is bad time year, it is cold, but surely, like, some people have family members. Some people mightn't. But has the tenant even home? said, I have nowhere to go, I'll leave when I can find somewhere and I'm actively no. trying? No, nothing. No, okay. Uh, not even engaging with the auctioneer. Um, okay. Yeah. I mean, why would you refuse people to interview the house? Like, you know. Um, I, I, I have to say, I, I do come across these stories um, about about three weeks ago. I had one similar to this. The it was an elderly couple. I don't want to say too much about it. Yeah, no, uh, they didn't want they didn't want to come on the air because they're very private. It's not easy for everybody. Fair pl- fair play to you for coming on and those that do. But in their oh, no, ca- in their case in their case okay. But in their case, there's overholding going on. For significantly longer than three months and the rent is not being paid yeah well that's the thing you see the channels that you must go through they can't even give you specific times when they're going to deal with the case or give an answer and they need to tell the person yes look you were given your actual uh, time like your notice um, you do not have the right to stay there you know, so that's basically all you're waiting for the agencies to come back and say. And this would be the RTB, um, the, the residential yeah, tenancy and board, etc. Yeah, they're just literally examining this, um, which is crazy because obviously everyone has their own personal reasons as to why they might need a property sold. And obviously, you sympathise with people with nowhere to go, but at the same time, like coming my, from the other side. Yeah, I know the house has to be sold. They've come back to say no. My my experience of this type of a story is that it will go on significantly longer than three months it could take a year it could take longer and here's one of the reasons why Uh, you make an application as a landlord to the RTB there has to be a hearing at which both sides have to turn up 
Um, and for that to happen, papers have to be sent, posted or hand-delivered to the tenant. Tenants come up with lots of different reasons to pretend they didn't get it, they didn't see it, they didn't understand it, and they don't turn up to the hearing. That delays it. And then there's another, And it prolongs it. Then there's another hearing, and that goes on. Then ultimately, when a decision is made, um, my understanding is, if the tenant ignores the decision and refuses to go, it goes back to the RTB again and the whole thing is repeated. It takes a long time before a bailiff or somebody actually arrives at the door to change a lock. Yeah, it's actually scandalous. Like, um, And even like that, I mean, with the council not providing anywhere for people to go either. You know, so it's just a vicious circle, really. And I think for your your friend, they'd want to be prepared for the long haul. Oh, I know. Um, yeah, well, look, hopefully not, but, um, you know, mm. you sympathise with people in all different situations anyway. Um, I'm sorry now to cut you short, but I actually need to go. Thanks so much for taking the call. Appreciate it. I know you held on since before 10. Thank you, Stacey. Um, some texts from this morning. Despite 14,000 people homeless in Ireland, the government only focus now, as always, on housing more and more refugees. Oh, my God, where are her family and friends Uh, Has she anyone at all that can help her full time? It's such a pity. This all comes back to one thing, housing and rent. Why not make bed sits like there were before? Something will have to be done. As you said earlier, how cold was it last night? It's a total disgrace. No wonder the Irish are rioting. Mm. Oh my God, isn't this so sad? Another example of how this government has treated our citizens. Well, you wouldn't hear the half of it if people didn't share their stories. I can tell you that, Anthony. He says, my heart is broken listening to that lady. Honestly, uh, with regards to Martin, Varadkar and Ryan, they have so much to answer for. Recent events in this country have only put fuel in an already burning fire. The government is circling the wagons and if recent rumours prove to be correct, I can see the citizens of our beautiful country staging an actual uprising. Can't come on the air. Um, on a side note, don't you think that the Muslim Fianna Fáil councillor in Limerick should be charged with incitement? With regards to the comments you made in Limerick County Council, he, he apologised for me to rush of blood to the head. I mean, it was an awful thing to say that anybody that rioted involved in thuggery should be taken out and shot in the head. It, you, you never know. There, there might be a guard interest in it. I don't know. You'd want to get on to the council about the lack of funding for this and that and the other and then ask them uh, how much they spent on the presentation that they had in Dublin last week with accommodation and food, etc., Another person said, oh my God, that is such a strong woman mentally to be able to withstand living in conditions like that, particularly after attempting to end it all. I own the crafted sausage in the marina market. Please tell Alison to come to me every day and I will feed her a hot breakfast and lunch for free every day. Isn't that a wonderful, kind gesture? It's the gesture, I suppose, of the Good Samaritan, if you like. Um, we should be like that all year round as opposed to maybe just thinking of these things at Christmas time. That is a lovely gesture. Thank you to the owner and staff at the Crafted Sausage on the Marina. Back to the phone lines we go um, and we've got Anne on line one. Anne, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? Thank you. Not an easy thing to do to come on and share aspects of your life, but you found that you had a lot in common with Alison. Is that right? Yeah. Well, I'm lucky now. I'm at the other side of it. But like, just when I heard her call... Um, like six months ago I was in the same position my landlord um, was selling the house I had about six months notice I think and <clears throat> sorry it's just so it's impossible there's nothing out there to rent like there's nothing and you're competing against so many people so you spent that six months trying did you? yeah yeah you wouldn't even get a call back for a viewing or anything 
Um, I think, you know, like I'm a single mom with three kids. Uh, I'm studying at the moment, so like I'm not working. So like you're you're not really looked at. They want professionals and they actually don't want kids. I've seen that as well. They like, they like kids are like pets to them. You know, they're going to damage the property. A nuisance, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 In spite of the fact that you give um, uh, a month's deposit, a month's rent, or maybe even a month in advance, sometimes people have to pay three months up front. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So in, in, when, it, when it's a landlord's market, of course, they can pick and choose who they wish. And they're not going to want a family. They're not going to want children. They're not going to want pets. They can literally hone in on exactly what they deem to be an ideal candidate. So you would yeah. have happened everything, though, wouldn't you? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I had half. So you were bidding and all um, on council properties. So I was bidding. Um, so I was actually on the council list for twelve years. Um, it's something that I never really like pursued big time because I was always lucky to have a house. I was always. I never thought I'd be in the position where I'd be facing homelessness. So coming up to the months before I knew that I'd have to leave, I just really knuckled down with like contacting the council. I sent in every kind of reference um, from my college lecturers, from the kids' teachers, from the schools, from anyone I could think of, uh, neighbours, to show what a good neighbour I was. Like, I literally, I was hounding them with letters. Um, Why would you get a letter from a doctor? To, was it to show that you had a clean bill of health or something or what? Yeah, and just to, to state kind of like the, the mental health like the, the effect it was having on my mental health also. Were you were you down about it very much to the point of perhaps I, contemplating I kind of, something like Alison did? Yeah, I was. I was I was so suicidal, so suicidal. Now, I would never go as far to do anything because I have three kids looking up to me. They need me. But it was the hardest time in my whole life. And I've been through a lot in my life. But this, like not being able to provide a house for your kids was just the most horrible feeling I've ever had. It was just so soul destroying that like I had three people depending on me and I couldn't even provide them with a house. No, it I was know. just Is the it worst any wonder it would get you ever. down badly. Yeah, it would get you down badly. Yeah. I was so, so, so like I, I really was so down like I was, I was suicidal. Um, but as I said, like I, I pulled myself through it. But kids pushed you through it as well, didn't they? The kids, that, like that. If I didn't have the kids, I I wouldn't. I've been here. Like I just, it just wouldn't. It would have been a totally different story. Um. So for three months, we actually were at my mother's house in a one bedroom. The three of us, four of us, sorry. And um, so you didn't overhold. You went on time. No, I went. I went. I kind of knew the landlord kind of personally, and I understood his reasons for selling it. And I wouldn't. I wouldn't like to. I just couldn't cope with the trouble. Hardest just, thing to do to walk out and close the door behind you after all those years. Yeah, it was. It was really hard. It's like leaving. It is your um, own. It is. You may not own the bricks and mortar, but it's your own home you're leaving. Like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, like, we had to, I had to register as homeless, um, and like, my options were to go into emergency accommodation, um, uh, which would have been miles and miles away from the kids' school, from just our whole life. Like, it would have been miles away. Um, so 
I decided not to do it. Um, two of my kids have additional needs. They're not severely severe needs, but they do have additional needs. And like little changes and stuff can affect them a lot. Like it would affect their behaviours and um, they have just certain supports and stuff that like are in the school that was so important that we built that kind of um, support yeah. system. Total nucleus around it, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and for us to move to like another school and stuff, it, it would have been very traumatic. Like, um, So I just kind of stood my ground. I stayed in the one bedroom. It was very, very hard and it wasn't fair on my mother either. Like we, we took over her house, her whole, you know, like she she was used to having her own space and then she'd us and the cat as well <laughs> to make it work. Our whole life had to come into her house. Did the kids did um, the kids ask any kind of awkward questions as to why they were going through this? Yeah, they kind of knew. Um but like I was saying, No, we'll be fine, we'll get a new place, we'll get a new place and like as time was going on, I was saying, Oh my god, we're not going to we're like and there was houses available in my area and I was looking at them every day. I was trying to do, you know, like um, that kind of positive thinking and putting it out to the universe, like picturing myself in the house and that'll be my house. And it did work for me in the end because I did get the house. <laughs> but um, Really? As time, yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, but as time was going on, I was saying, oh God, like, and I was kind of saying it to my eldest that like, we might have to, to leave here, like, and he was just distraught. He was like, no, like, I, I'm not leaving. And then the discussion was kind of like, right, well, do you want to stay with Nana? And me and the smallies will go to um, the emergency accommodation. And there was all these kind of discussions. And it was just, it wasn't easy. Um, but I, so I decided I went away for a weekend with the kids, looking down to Killarney. We went for a couple of nights and we enjoyed just like a mini little break. And I came back to a letter to say that I had gotten the property. Now, but bear in mind now, you how long were you on the list? 12 years. Okay, so again, no preferential treatment there for somebody on a list for 12 years. In fact, they also say that those that come into Ireland from overseas that are housed, it's kind of harder to believe that, but they do say that there is no preferential treatment there either. So you are more than entitled. But do, do you believe that the manifestation that you fixated on this one particular property, that that made it made a difference? I don't know. Like, I feel mad saying it because I, I wouldn't really be like a believer in things, but I was just that desperate that I was looking up all these videos and um, like these kind of things you'd write down um, where you want to be and do you write down like Brenda Dennehy who worked in this program for many years and uh, she, she she lives her entire life by manifestation uh, gratitude yeah. writing down lists in the morning and the and the afternoon giving thanks I imagine in the evening and and yeah. um, and ex- explain to me a little bit more about that yeah that's what I was doing I kind of found online what exactly to say I didn't know where to start and like that I was so down it was the only thing really that was kind of it was distracting me a bit and I can't remember now exactly but you have to like write it down nine times um, you have to say exactly what you want and so I was like putting the address of the estate um, and that like I think I was like within three months or something I can't remember I was putting a timeline on it as well um it did like I mean I can't I like I did fight in other ways. I really did fight in other ways by sending in references and letters and phone calls and TDs. So I put the work in 
Otherwise, it wasn't just these manifestations that got me here. Okay. Like, well, it didn't do any harm anyway. That's you can be sure. It didn't do any harm. Like, it definitely didn't do any harm. Uh, and it helped me stay a bit positive as well. I, well, not positive, but I suppose it was just kind of focusing my mind um, on it, you know. It just gave me a little bit of a distraction. I know, I know. And, f- and, for, and, for, and, for, and you're happy out now. You have your own place. Looking forward to Christmas. Life is good. Yeah. Studying away. Kids yeah. are staying in the same school. Shouldn't yeah, be it shouldn't yeah. be that hard though, sure it shouldn't. No, I often think that like like life just should not be this hard. Like it just should not be this hard. Okay. But I like hope I, I hope that there's some support coming in for, for the kids from dad or their their own dad, or is that an area that you wish to not go to? Yeah. Ah uh, yeah, their dad is very good. But All he right. was like he wasn't in the position to help us out. He's kind of house sharing himself and yeah. like he's working and the rent that he's paying is just it's just it would make you sick it okay. would actually but he's on he's sick. on board in fairness he's on board in his own way um, yeah. you know with regards to Alison um, you you were prompted by Alison's call um, mm. and you were saying you know that was the road you travelled um, yeah. any advice for her? I would just tell her to keep contacting the council like almost daily and anybody she can think of to send in a reference like re- character references even a priest her mother like anyone that, I mean that's what I did I was just I was sending in letters weekly maybe even twice during the week of just anyone I could think of that could explain why the situation was affecting us why it'd be a good tenant um mm. um what else I was all oh, TDs as well I contacted numerous TDs I just think it's just important thing is to have your name popping up all the time and like make them aware of your name. Um, those those are the things I think that worked for me. Yeah, it's it's a shocking scenario though when we're talking about situations where it's mothers with children this morning, mothers with children. Yeah. I mean, to be moved out of the commons um, and being told that the reason is that they're is being primarily used for Ukrainian refugees mm. and of course the Ukrainian yeah. refugees cannot be blamed for it. they're going where they're put they yeah. moved into B&B you're living out of B&B for a few weeks and then you're told off you go now self-accommodate that's like that's just throwing somebody out on the streets uh, without any and that, help that is what's happening there's nowhere to go I mean I was lucky that I had the room in my mother's house but like only for her okay. you know what I mean because yeah. I, I, I we would have had nowhere else to go only into emergency accommodation and okay. I've seen it with friends that they've had to do it and oh, it's just it's just the homelessness situation at the moment it, it just it's gone crazy it's gone crazy and I think like they're justifying it because other countries have such high homelessness you see like you know in America they've got Skid Row and stuff but is that what they want? Like, is that what they want our country? Well, there's an interesting text here. I don't want to give out the location, but I got a text here from a particularly beautiful area uh, of our city where a woman goes for a walk. And last week, she says there's a lady in her early 50s, uh, around about in her 50s, I would say, and she's living in a small tent. I felt so helpless and I didn't know what to do. I can't get her out of my head. It's an absolute disgrace that people have to resort to living in a small tent any time yeah. of the year, but at the moment it's just chronic. I know this is yeah. going on years, but just look at that woman by herself at the side of a ditch in a small little tent is absolutely heartbreaking. 
I'm, yeah. deli- I'm delighted it worked out for you, Anne. Best of luck to you. Happy Christmas. Thank you so much. Take you care. too. Bye. Thanks a million. Bye. Bye. Text and WhatsApp 086 8104 106. Cork's Red FM. Uh, talk to Marianne in a second. Just two or three texts first up. Very sad to hear this woman's Cork story. Forced to sleep in her car 11 years on the housing waiting list while immigrants destroy their passports to come in here and given housing and all of the benefits immediately. That's what happening happens when you vote Fianna Fáil, Fianna Gael, Sinn Féin or Labour. Somebody else says, what a brave young lady, the poor girl. Well done to that lady. She's extremely brave to talk of her story on air. She has huge resilience and she can move forward in life, hopefully. Live in the present, keep your head high, you will find somewhere. It's an utter disgrace that she was kicked out of her home uh, for those coming into the country. That is what is driving the anger in this country. Our government hates us. Thanks for sharing your story. I'm very moved by it. Uh, you know, we wouldn't know the half of it, to be honest with you, if people weren't willing to share their own stories and their own situation. One other aspect that we started to discuss this morning is uh, the responsibility of tenants. Because at one stage, Alison did admit to overholding her property. Like some might say, who wouldn't if you've nowhere to go? It's frustrating and it's wrong. And it's, a, it's grief for the landlord and the owner if they are attempting to sell it. But just back to uh, an, not an unrelated topic to that, but staying with um, with tenants and behaviour of tenants. Mary Ann, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Um, and you're, you're many, many, are you saying many landlords are getting out of the game, is it? You think they are, even in spite of big rents and what have you? Well, I could see why they would, because um, you're just being treated so poorly by tenants. You know, I think sometimes maybe people are too kind to tenants. Um, I have a rental property and I actually have to have a cleaning lady in because they live like so shabbily. I actually so, had a tradesperson in doing a job last week and he said he wouldn't drink a cup of tea in the house. Why? did he, Have you been in there? Describe it. Because it was so dirty. Yeah. Because it was so dirty. Yeah. Why, why are you... as a lady why, only comes once a month and this was two weeks after, three weeks after she had been there. So you were forced then to employ a cleaner to do the cleaning for the yeah. tenants? Well, because I don't want my house to be destroyed. I want to keep, you know, I've paid a lot of money. I've, I know, know, but it's a a just a bizarre... Of course you have. It's a bizarre thing that they won't clean it, so you as the landlord employ a cleaner. They must be delighted with life, somebody come cleaning in for them, picking up after them. Well, my only other option is to have the place fall to rack and ruin. What? Uh, you could give them warnings and a second warning and a third warning and take pictures of the property and then have them evicted. It would be grounds for eviction, wouldn't it? Yeah, dealing with the PRTB. I mean, we had dealings with them before where they trashed a house. We used to live in Dublin before we moved to Cork. So we rented out our house when we moved down first and they trashed the place. They actually used, there was like holes in the wooden floors. It was like they were using it as a dartboard. There was garbage up in the attic. They trashed the place and we had to give them back their deposits. Why did you give them back their deposit? I don't know. We went to the PRTD and um, we were told we had to give them their deposit back. Even though then, I'm told, it subsequently went on to cost you €3,500 to put it back together again. Yeah, um, in July this year, I paid a painter 
to paint the house because he had to wash all the walls because they were filthy. Oh, this is the this is the present house. You you had painters and decorators yeah. in there uh, and spent three and a half yeah. grand. You you know you're enabling your tenants like they'll they'll always behave like this oh. for as long as you're sending in cleaners and painters and decorators. I'm I'm selling the house. Their lease is up in, on you know thirty first of August next year, and I'm selling it. I'm not doing this anymore. You know, I tried to be a nice landlady. You know, I gave them coal as a Christmas present last year when, you know, they weren't working because of COVID. I reduced their rent and I just feel like I'm treated so poorly in return that... They're treating you like a sucker, like a fool. Yeah. Yeah, I know. And do you ever have conversations... With the PRTB, by the time their lease is up, I still wouldn't have got the eviction from the PRTB. But there is a chance they won't go. They'll go because they have, um, they're going abroad. And tell me, do you ever have any conversations with them with regards to the fact that you have to pay for their cleaning and they're living in a pigsty? Well, um, I increased the rent in September and I said this is going to some of this is going to be used to cover the cleaner Do they pay the rent? They do In fairness the rent is paid even a day or two before it's due Do they have refuse and bin collection? Yeah they pay for that They pay for it? Yeah So if they have bins why are they living in why do they behave in such squalor? When I rented the house out first, I had a big box, you know, full of cleaning products. They was all brand new because it was the first time I was renting it out. There was new light bulbs in there. And when those last tenants moved out, they didn't even have light bulbs. They never replaced the light bulbs when they went. Is this the Dublin property the or the Corn property? when he came, had to go and get light bulbs because the house was dark and, you know, he needed to be able to see. Well, which tenants are you talking about now? The present tenants or the ones before them? The the ones before them. Oh, they were as bad, were they? Yeah. Wow, you're having a bad run. Dublin bad, Cork twice bad. Well, the people who moved out, um, they got people in to replace them. So you were not involved in the uh, re-letting no. But, but the crowd um, that left... I got a text. Their, their lease was due up in August. And I got a text on the 23rd of March to say they were moving out next week, but they had got people to replace them. Little did you know what those characters are going to be like. Yeah. I don't know what to tell you. Um, I mean, yeah. They just all seem to be like that because I know somebody that's renting an apartment... Um, to people who are, you know, working and stuff. And the cooker was so dirty that the rings on the cooker were actually rusted with the dirt and everything because it was never cleaned. And I rented in my time while we were waiting for our house to be built, we rented. And um, when we moved out, the auctioneer said it was the cleanest house. Yeah, it's seen. not, and I'm sure it was, and it's not fair to say that they're all like that, because we know they're not. Like, some people either are don't see it, or they're happy with it, they don't care, they have no issue with living in squalor and dirt and filth and not cleaning, but not everybody. Others would be very house-proud, you know? You're just, you just had a bad, you've just had a bad run of it. 
I mean, it's disgusting the conditions that some people will tolerate. But as long as you send the cleaners in and as long as you're doing all of the work for them, um, you know, they're going to... Well, they won't be getting any Christmas present this year. That's you, should, sure. yeah, I, um, you should be giving them... I hope they do move out when they're supposed to move out because they're not showing respect to the premises or to you. I, uh, I think you should be filing... I, I think you should be giving them warning letters and fi- putting them on file. If, if, they, if they get antsy about moving out, all of those letters that you've sent and the warnings that you've sent will all help your case in the PRTB hearing. Yeah. You're, just, you're just hoping they're going to go, right? You're hoping they'll go. Oh, I'm, I'm sure they are because right. um, they're going abroad to work. Like, these are people with good jobs. You know, it's not like, I, I don't know, you know, you think they'd they're, be well brought up. and They're probably going around you know, telling people I, the landlady pays for the cleaners. <laughs> I know you do it because you respect your property. I know that. I understand that. Yeah. And you know what? My house isn't perfect, you know. We have clutter in some rooms and stuff. But, I mean, you could drink a cup of tea in my house. You could have your dinner. Well, Plumber says to you that he wouldn't drink a cup of tea in the place. It must be awful because they see everything. Good luck with it anyway. And yeah. hopefully hopefully, by the time their, you know, lease is up, they will go. Um, and you'll have to go in then and spend many thousands then putting it right, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah, you know, by the time you pay insurance, you know, you pay three and a half thousand, and then the tradesperson that I was in had in last week that was another seven hundred. Yeah, don't be giving. Them, don't be giving. You're them paying Christmas eight gifts. grand a year in tax, yeah. and you're paying for a cleaner. You're not seeing too much out of it. What does the cleaner say about the state of the place? She's just disgusted. Yeah, don't be giving Christmas presents to that people to that shower. Don't. Because, no, my uh, husband did say that I shouldn't do. No, it no, they're only insult- they're only insulting you. They be no, don't do that. Don't do that. They don't deserve it. No. Yeah. No, I just feel you know. I thought I was being fair, you know, and decent, but you are, girl. But they're make, you so are. But they're making a, they're making a mug out of you. They are. I know, I know. Anyway, mind yourself, I'm thanks. Always a soft touch. Okay, yeah. okay. Thanks very bye, Marianne. Hope things bye. work out for you in the end. I really do. Eileen, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you, girl? Um, How are you? You're listening to earlier my conversation with Alison. I, I was with yeah. that woman, yeah. Yeah. Listen, I'm telling you now, I'm not going to say where I'm living, but I'm in the south side. Yeah. And I'm not too far from the lock. I'm about 10 minutes walk from okay. the lock. Right. It's a corporation house. Now, a lot of the houses in my square, people bought them. They did. Some didn't. Yeah. Now, there's a house in our square. The lady died a year and a half ago. Okay? Yeah, yeah. They didn't go in until January this year to sort it out. That There was a whole seven months without doing anything. It's all sorted now because there's no one in now. And we're still looking at that house empty. So, but it took them that long just to board. They board up first, don't they? they the first thing up. they done, Neil, sorry, the first thing they done when the the family... Uh, moved out all the, you know, they had to get rid of all the stuff in the house, the family. They gave them three months to take everything out, was change the locks and the door. That's the first thing they do. You, those, those, and uh, let's say after that three month period, it should take six weeks then maximum to turn a house yes. around and get another family. But they've done nothing until January this year. Yeah. Gone. And they were about five or six months going in and out doing things. Now to sort it. 
but it's still not given out. But you see, what happens there, Neil, is that uh, long ago, there was a list for the housing. And if a house became vacant, whoever was on the top of the list would be offered it. Now, sometimes they mightn't want to live there in that in the south side, but they'd offer it to someone else. But no, you have to go online and bid for a house. But I bet there, but it's not even but it wasn't it wasn't even listed to bid on, was it? I don't know, you see. Oh, That's no. what I'm trying to say. No, it wouldn't be listed to, unless it was ready for occupation. It could be. It could be. See, I don't know if they But I guarantee you there'll be there will be thousands of people um bidding That's on it. I'm saying, yeah. But like if I if I won't give it to you online, but well, I'll no. give it to your researcher. No, I know I know the I know the area and to be honest with you, I would have I would have no issues at all with that the area you're talking about. It's a beautiful area, lovely people, oh, salt it's of the lovely earth people. Where we are now. And it's a, it's an elderly kind of um, Okay. But yet there you I, have it I nonetheless. Moved yeah. I moved in here fifty two years ago. Yeah, yeah. You know, so it's an it's an old Square now, like there, there is one or two houses now that were vacant, and a young couple might have went in, but okay. their kids are grown up now okay. too. But it's idle, and it remains that it's way. A, it is, and that's what I was saying. I was going to ask you to get on to one as well. It's not the only one though, but it's one that you live next to, and it's soul destroying to hear it. Particularly it is looking at that every day empty. And you know what happens when a house goes empty for a long time? Big time. Houses yeah. need to be lived in. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It does. Yeah. All right. So okay. I said I had to say it. All right. Thanks, Eileen. Thanks for taking the call. Text 0868 Pick up the phone. You can always email, incidentally, if you have a story to share, but you're not keen to come on the air. And I will never give away any personal details if you don't wish me to do so. But you can always email neil at redfm.ie. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818 Cork's Red FM. Come back to all sorts of topics after 11 o'clock, but I was mentioning earlier on this morning uh, that tasers are on the way, very strong pepper spray, water cannons, uh, also uh, body cams, uh, smaller shields so that the uh, members of Mgarish Yukonic can move around more effectively rather than be cut off by the big shields and things like that. But this is public order units of Angarda Shikana in Dublin City. Um, as to whether it will be rolled out across the country or other cities, we will have to wait and see because 200 electric stun guns or tasers, that won't go very far, will it? But the 200 extra tasers, Neil, are the ones used in America and these have killed a few people in the USA. They are stronger than the ones the Guardi have already have here. They, these are specialised tasers so they need specific training training. That's why they're not coming out for a few months. You are right there. It does involve training. Giving Gardaí more high-tech resources will not solve Ireland's open doors and immigration policy ever. You're right in that regard, nor will it change anything if the courts remain soft on suspended sentences. And one final one. The right thing to do now is to roll out the tasers right across the country. But there is a case in Australia at the moment where a 95-year-old woman died after being tasered by a police officer. He is now being charged with it, tasering the woman. Yes, Claire did a fact check on that. Thank you, Claire. She says, Claire Noland, a great-grandmother, died in hospital in May, one week after police were called to a nursing home in New South Wales. Uh, Care home staff had reported a resident armed with a knife. A 33-year-old constable allegedly tasered Noland, 95-year-old woman, at the home after asking her to drop the stake. Now, the Neil Prenderville Show, Red FM.
Nominate who you would like to win a 300 euro Henley's gift card for Henley's Christmas shop and they're doing the business. Chris, the real Christmas trees arrive, probably have arrived already out at Henley's, uh, but they've got everything and anything you need for inside or outside the home with regards to Christmas. So 300 euro gift cards every day. Nominate who you think would deserve it and tell us why. Text 0868 on that one and you're also listening out again today sometime between now and midday you will hear a cue to call uh, caller 9 wins a family pass for Jack and the Beanstalk at the Opera House. You're listening out for this Magic Beans! Did you ever hear the likes of it? You dirty look at Aegis! Magic Beans! Did you ever hear the likes of it? Alright, for all of the business, text 0868 I just wanted to comment, the, I just wanted to come back on the comment you passed this morning's headlines about the Limerick councillor who said that the rioters should be shot or beaten to death. So all you could say on the matter was that he was a very passionate guy. He was very passionate about wanting people shot and killed. Is that it? But I wonder if a normal guy had said it, would you call him a passionate guy? No, you wouldn't. You'd probably call him a scumbag. A Fianna Fáil councillor is a passionate guy. Don't ever pretend to be a man of the people or someone who will stand up for his own people because you are not and will not, says Stephen. Well, I'm thick enough skin to know that that's how you feel uh, and I do... um, can't say that I appreciate your sentiments or your thoughts with regards to me, but I'm not so sure that you're actually getting the story correctly. He said that he was a passionate guy because when he had said it, and just to get the paperwork on it again, when he said it yesterday inside in Limerick City Council, councillors said that he should withdraw the remarks. He said they should be taken out and given a bad beating, and he also said that they should be, here it is, they should be shot in the head. So what I read from the mail was, um, when he said it, and, and he wasn't, he's not originally from Ireland, he is working councillor here now, now as Azad Talukder, he said, I just put my emotions only. I hope the deputies understand that this is only an expression of my emotion. It was, his, it was by way of him apologising for it. Uh, I, uh, anyway, listen, no matter, no matter what I say, you're not going to change your mind about me. Since the subjects of hate speech, immigration and incitement to violence are on the table, I wonder if Limerick's deputy mayor, the Fianna Fáil councillor, himself a Muslim from Bangladesh, will now be investigated by Angarda Shikana? Or is that the privilege reserved only for the likes of Conor McGregor and the Irish working class? I mention his religion and nationality only because his campaign made much of his religion and nationality when he ran for office and was elected, if I remember correctly. Well, I don't know much about that backstory as to how he got elected, but I do know for sure that he did have to apologise for saying that if he had his way, he'd have taken them out and had them shot in the head, and he subsequently went on to describe it as a a rush of blood to the head. He was wearing his emotions uh, on his sleeve. Uh, So thank you for all those. Um, There is also a lot of criticism. I don't know if um, Helen McEntee could reverse time which you go back and not have used the word scumbag in what you had to say in Dáil Éireann, but now they're jumping upon her, saying that it's a comment unbecoming of a justice minister. And you know that Sinn Féin want her to go, not just her, but Drew Harris as well. This doesn't help her case. Here's what she said. What will it be like for an asylum... Sorry, my apologies. Make Barry ask the question first. What will it be like for an asylum seeker who's forced to sleep out rough on the streets? Sub-zero temperatures might be the least of their problems. Those who are seeking international protection are the very people that those thugs and scumbags on Thursday night sought to intimidate. Whatever it is that guard they need, that is to make sure that everybody, not just us, 
not just those who are born in this country, but that every single person in this country, that they are protected. Mm. You could hear some reaction there from across the benches yesterday when she said thugs, paused and then said scumbags. Uh, I'm wondering whether she uh, would, if she had the ability to erase that word, whether she would use it if she was given another opportunity. But um, some would suggest that that is language unbecoming uh, of a, uh, a justice minister. Let me talk to Seamus. I'll put that point to him, actually. I know he wants to pick up certainly on the Limerick scenario. Anyway, Seamus, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Just, be, just before that, that's the Justice Minister, Helen McEntee. Should she rise above language of like that? What do you think? I, I think Helen McEntee, um, Leo Varadkar and the Hall of Fianna Gael are just left liberalism propped up in this country. And the sooner they're removed from power, the better for the Irish public and Ireland at large. The record to date in the last 11 years is abhorrent. I know, but I, 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 I'm asking you for a political statement, my friend, regular <laughs> contributor as you are. Should she have used the word scumbag, Esther? Uh, I I just I think it's irrelevant at this point. You know, writers are writers, and you know they're not they're not going to be acting like uh, angelic creatures, uh, silently protesting. When it evolves into a riot, a riot is what you get. It, it's usually an attack on the police force or the establishment itself, not generally on the public members, the, the bystanders in public. That would be in terrorism. So generally, writers are targeting the establishment, which is, which is generally the police force. It's happened. It's been happening all over Europe for the last twenty four months especially in Belgium, France, uh, Germany, now Sweden. And only in, last, only in the last two weeks, um, we've had members of the public and uh, many young people and rioters out in Copenhagen in Denmark uh, burning the Koran. And this is one of the happiest countries in the world for... And, um, OK, they did all that and attacked the police and yeah. did they loot and burn down building businesses and... It's, uh, it's anger. It's really, I think it's just, it all boils down to anger. I think it's irrelevant what language Helen McEntee uses at this point. She's okay. a failed minister from a failed... Having party. said that, and you call her a failed minister, um, maybe it yeah. was because of the rioting or indeed the stabbing that then led to... The opportunity to riot, maybe well, that 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 got us to a situation whereby yeah. whereby the justice justice minister has given powers now to Drew Harris and Angarda Shigana, all be in Dublin, to have stronger tasers, stronger pepper spray, new shields, body cams, armored vehicles, water cannons, and um, and and then some. Who knows what else? But this time last week, we would not have even contemplated any of that. Well, this, this this is left liberalism in this country again. It's changing across Europe. They're moving to the right. That doesn't mean it's a bad thing. It's about closing borders, protecting citizens, and so on. But we won't go into that right now. But this is left, left liberalism, which really has engulfed the media, mainstream media, and the government at large, and how they deliver policy, even on the opposition benches but in Ireland. The people, but should the, the people moment. that are angry, and the vast majority of the country are angry, would 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 to be angry? They probably would they, have. People, they would probably be leaning people, right, would they not? Yeah, well, they, yeah, they will, will find out in the next election. But unfortunately, there's no real right-wing party. It's just the most right-wing probably would be the ind- new independent party, the likes of the independents, independents um, Michael Collins and others. I mean, Michael Collins, for example, just to cast it, I'm not saying he's far right, but right-wing in, ter- in terms of his thinking. He was in an interview, I think a couple of years back on TV3, on a panel, and I think he made a comment... In West Cork? A number of, hmm? The West Cork TD? West Cork TV. That's yeah, thank right. you. Yeah, just clarify. He was on. T- yes, he was on TV three a couple of years back in an interview on a panel, and um, I forget who the host was, but I think he referred to the fact that, like, you know, the government really needs to reevaluate its policies on um, housing and start looking after Irish people first at some level. And he was deemed uh, racist and you know all sorts of like. Um, 
and uh, there's negative connotations towards the guy from mainly from Fianna Gaelers in that uh, in that. Uh, oh, you'd always get people jumping yeah, on. Yeah, exactly. You know, but yeah, yeah. look at. Aside from all of that, like I think, you know, Helen McEntee, Fianna Gael, they're a foul party. I think the likelihood is okay. that they'll be out of power and, um, in twelve months' time. Okay. And, and the, 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 the councillor right down and the councillor down in Limerick, they've got their sights on him as well. well he said, yeah, I, "I'd like I to see them shot in the head or bring the public in and beat them until they die." That wouldn't okay. necessarily be acceptable behaviour in this country. It might be where he, where where his forefathers came from, but not here. No, well, to see, this is, and again, this is left liberalism in Ireland. They, this is shame, first of all, shame on Fianna Fáil for allowing this man uh, to still stand as a councillor in Limerick. He's not re- clearly not representative of the general Irish public, male and female and whatnot. Most Irish people are, are you know, law-abiding. Um, I don't care where the man is from. I mean, I don't care, and I'm accused of caring where the man is from, but I actually don't give a fig where he's from. But would you not put it down to a rush of blood to the head and a regret of the comment the minute no, he said no no I tell you why it wouldn't because it's it's it, that's the excuse and left liberalism, liberalism again it uses that excuse it'll use an excuse like this like the rush of blood to the head the passion it's all very soft touchy language to, to defend uh, comments because we cannot you know, we dare not speak out and say, you know, that we don't agree with um, this Muslim representative who may at the heart of, uh, you know, deep down he may have, like, ideologies that would love to, like, for example, bring Sharia law. To ah, forget about, forget about things that he, no, forget about things that he didn't say now, in fairness, Seamus, forget about things that he didn't say. Like yesterday, the chap on the air yeah, was talking about, it's, it's, it's somewhat connected, actually. He was talking about um, Jersey or the Isle of Man, where they had birching and flogging. You want to bring it back? Right. Here's, here's this, this is what at least some people listening to this programme said. He's 100% right. There's too many rights and no laws. Yes, to name and shame. And flog them while you're at it. Give us back the Ireland we deserve. Another person, I totally agree with flogging. Uh, another one, I agree with Jerry And put spikes on his sticks as Jim Allen in Middleton. Uh, I wa- Morning, Neil. Uh, oh, this is... This is um, um, in Riyadh. I watched a public amputation of a hand in the square in Riyadh in 1990. I wouldn't be too gone on witnessing it again, says Paddy. Another one. Rapists, murderers, pedophiles should be given... Uh, 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 uh. Um, they're talking about capital punishments for rape, murder and paedophilia yeah. um, as opposed to suspended sentences. I think Jerry has a thing for flogging. Um, and one more. Uh, we have a military prison and detention barracks in the Curra. And it's been found that after serving in a military prison or detention barracks, that there is a very low percentage of reoffending. I think that has more to do with making prison tougher. But anyway, that's just a few people who did get in touch with in favour of flogging. Right. Just to look at just bringing it back to Dr. Abdul uh, Kalam Azad. I think he should be sacked. Shame on Fianna Fáil for allowing such a uh, a councillor make such comments. You know, this man more than likely comes from uh, part of the world where acts of depravity are used as a form of justice, and it does not equate or nor can kind of be integrated into a Western uh, thinking society such as Ireland and Western Europe. But unfortunately, with the left liberal government that we have under Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael, who have their heads buried up the asses of the bosses in Europe, who are now actually turning right wing as we speak. With if you look at the Dutch government and the German and Italian and Polish and so on. Well, they might be worth taking a look at uh, the crime and punishment yeah. in Bangladesh, wouldn't it? Neil, this is what they call, this is what Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael would call integration. It's not. It's an erosion of the society where you start to fold and fold up, wrap up and send away your own core values and just, uh, you know, open up the door to this okay. line Can, of okay. thinking. Right. But might, it's his line of thinking because he came from Bangladesh and I don't mean to be overly honing in on him as an individual, but capital punishment... Sacked. 
should be sacked what by Fianna Fáil? Should be sacked. Right. Yeah, if, if, if an ordinary if an, an ordinary Irish man or woman in this country came out and made such comments, uh, you know, they'd be deemed racist and all. Well, if I were to make that, that you, you'd agenda. possibly get away with it on there. But if I were to make that comment on the air and say. Um, that would be finished. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be game finished. over. It would be game over. Exactly, and that's the that other, would be, other, that, that would be deemed as that would be deemed as irresponsible and uh, in the irresponsible exactly. at the low end of the scale, but hate speech on the other side. I could even be well, prosecuted for saying it on the air. Neil, could I just ask you, like, if that's the level of punishment he'd like to dish out to thugs who didn't actually attack the public, they attacked the police force. They did. They they, they did attack the public because the the police okay, well, are well, the guardy are want? us. They're us. Neil. Neil, can I just ask, what would, this, what would the level of punishment be for a man who goes out and tries to stab and butcher children? Innocent bystanders. We shall have you to know? wait and see. This is where we're at now at this, at this point in time, and I think someone okay. like that should be sacked and not representative of, of Irish people. Okay, let's see what other and people... Uh, oh, no, no, and it doesn't matter where they come from, you're saying, they should be sacked for saying it. Well, yeah, obviously we tell from his name, and if you no, check for, his record and so on, we know what part of the world he's com- coming from. I'm not going to t- label countries, but the, some of these individuals who are being propped up on a left liberal agenda are coming from countries that have car- barbaric acts as a part of their core legal and justice system. Okay, and on that them. point, thank you, Seamus. Let me read so out some of the. Exactly. Thank you very much. Let me read out some of the um, uh, law in. Um, can you just pull it up again? The old eyes aren't as good as they used to be. Thank you. Just maybe a little bigger. Appreciate it. Capital punishment in Bangladesh is a legal form of punishment for anyone who is over the age of 16. However, in practice, will not apply to people under 18. So you pretty much have to be over 18. Uh, capital punishment, which is, is death, really. Crimes that are currently punishable by death in Bangladesh are set out in their penal code of 1860. That's an old penal code, isn't it? And they include waging war against Bangladesh, abetting mutiny, giving false evidence evidence upon which an innocent person suffers death, murder, assisted suicide of a child, attempted murder of a child, and kidnapping. Um, so that's just a paragraph, actually, that we just found this morning with regards to uh, the legal uh, ramifications of breaking the law in Bangladesh. It can include, and up to um, the age of, uh, after the age of 18 primarily, capital punishment. Right you be text 0868104106 pick up the phone on 0818104106 the issues in Dublin have been brewing for a while. It's the drug capital of the country. You only need to look at that American tourist and know that it should have been stamped out earlier. We need more reinforcement. We need those water cannons. Uh, they're on the way um, but again um, there doesn't seem to be a whole lot by way of of tasers and pepper spray. It's only for specific sections of the force. Uh, but um, you, go to, you go to many other different countries and I can tell you, all of their police forces, they all walk around, all of them, with tasers and pepper spray. Anyway, text 0868104106. Back after the break. Lots more to cover after the... Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818-104-106. Red FM. Just quickly, uh, the calls yesterday about public flogging and comparing Ireland now and 60 years ago is utter madness. We could leave our doors open 60 years ago because we had nothing worth robbing, says Philip. Back then, crimes were different. Crimes that went on in religious schools, mother and baby homes, churches, Magdalen laundries, Borstal homes, etc. Plenty of flogging went on in those institutions too. Some public and some private. Did it make for a better Ireland? Was it safe for Ireland back then? Society
society has just changed. Not all for the worse, though. We've learned from the past and we all now have a voice. Crimes like what we had years ago are now diminishing. However, we are part of a global community since joining the EU and with that comes the movement of crime and the movement of different cultures. We need to work on legislation and deportation as well as punishments. Public flogging, though, will be a step back to a darker past that Ireland and its rulers tried to hide, says Philip in the city. Powerful text. Thank you for it. Keep them coming. Text 0868104106. Can I just look to matters regarding Christmas uh, tomorrow? Correct me, I am right, isn't it? Tomorrow's the first day of December, and then we roll in to the actual month of the birth of, birth of Christ. For some, that's significant. For others, of course, it's Christmas time only, time for family and friends and gifts and, and a joyous thing. And with that in mind, oh, oh, listen, and if you are just talking about Christmas, I was talking with Tom McCarthy, the same deal applies in New York City for anybody that might be traveling to New York across the earlier weeks in December. If you're heading to New York, uh, Smithfield Hall and the Longacre Tavern in Times Square, both owned uh, by Tom and his partners, Tom, a great proud corkman, and there's a free pint in it for you. Now, if you're going in there, please don't drink the free pint and leg it, right? (laughs) But there is a free pint for all Corkonians heading to New York or either going to uh, do a bit of shopping in Manhattan at Smithfield Hall and the Longacre Tavern in Times Square. You can Google directions yourself, but Cork people are always welcome. Talk about people being welcome. Christmas cheer started early. Yesterday morning we had a lot of fun, particularly uh, starting early for the children of the Cork Hospital Children's Club. So yesterday and today... Two days of festivities, games, Santa Claus, Mrs. Claus, um, presents and gifts for all of the kids. I was looking at the videos that Seamus sent back yesterday. Mickey Mouse was there and Minnie Mouse was there. There was a cavalcade of trucks and fire engines and police cars and all sorts of different wonderful uh, modes of transport taking many sick and vulnerable children to meet the big man in red at GAA HQ yesterday at Parky Cueve. Seamus travelled there, the big child in him, as part of the cavalcade. He was in the back of a big Cork Airport fire truck and they went the long way from Nemo Rangers all the way through the city and down to Parky Cueve. Have a listen. Just here, not the not the puffin ward in CUH. So I was when I was working in CUH. I was I was the clown on the ward, all right. And now I'm a GP, so I'm out in the community now. So uh, so it's with the club we do all the clown shows, you know. So so we're I will I'm involved since 2004, so nearly 19 years. So so yeah, it's brilliant, uh, privileged to be part of it. Over the last 20 years, we it's, it's it tends to be the same volunteers that are part of the club. So we're uh, we 
we're a very good team. We all know our own roles and uh, we work very well together, you know, so to bring a lot of happiness to the kids. So it's all good, all good. Yeah. I have a young girl going to the hospital. She was um, knocked down on a footpath. She was on the footpath in Skibbereen, um, 22nd of April. And a car mounted the footpath. We're just lucky that she's alive. That the two of them are alive because the other one was only like six inches behind her. It was very lucky that they're alive, you know. Class half empty or half full, like. So and was yeah. that late in the evening or? No, it wasn't. It was, in the, it was actually about 12 o'clock in the day. It was an elderly gentleman driving a car and he wasn't sure, well, I don't know, he was used to an automatic or not and he mounted a footpath in the service station in Skibbereen and pinned her to the wall. It was, yeah, it was pretty scary, all right, at the time. Aged about 25 years that day, but, you know. And how is your, your, your daughter now? She is fine. Um, she's very good, really badly scarred in the legs, but okay. The other girl is more mentally scared because of seeing it, what happened, and all that. Can't speak about it or anything like that in front of her or anything. When he was smaller, um, he got diagnosed with a genetic disorder. So what happened was then I was only four weeks after having her, and um, they gave us tablets so that we could FaceTime when we were abroad because we had no return date, and then. My mum this year ran two Martins raising money for Children's Club and Temple Street. So it was a charity that was close to our heart and um, we're so proud. My mum and we're so grateful for the charity. Um, but yeah, they're amazing. They're amazing. Like we couldn't have been more grateful from at our time of need. Like they really showed up for us, you know. Um, and it's good to kind of give the kids a bit of a normal normal day. Yeah, do you know what? I think with this, you're, everyone's in the same position, so no one is being judgmental. I feel like when you go to normal Santa, that like there's that pressure on, especially parents, to keep their kids in line where hair is not expected. You, you just get on with it, and no one's looking at you or when they're acting up or throwing a fit. Um, so yeah, it was a lovely day. Councillor Tony Fitzgerald deputising for the Lord Mayor of Cork Councillor Claire McCarthy. I want to pay tribute to John Looney and all the devices volunteers at the Cork Children's Hospital. What they're doing is just amazing. To bring a smile on children's face. That's what they're doing. They've been through a lot. They've been in hospital. They've had different illnesses. They've had different challenges. And so have their parents. And in fact, their, their brothers and sisters. And so today is a day that they can put the sickness aside and enjoy the celebration of Christmas. So I want to wish them all a happy Christmas. So Olivia has a rare genetic condition, so she's non-mobile, non-verbal. She's peg-fed. But she's a great girl. She's very happy. She's very content. She has epilepsy and and she attends school in St Mary's Senior School in Dunmanway where she absolutely loves and amazing staff there as well and we're under the care of CUH as well which are just fabulous. Do you see the benefit of, of, of bringing you Olivia here to see Santa? Oh absolutely, absolutely she loves it, she loves the interaction, she loves the music, the lights, the brightness all the fun So, and even to see the girls out of the hospital setting is amazing You know, it's, it's just, and she recognises them she knows all the staff from various trips in and out of the hospital. And she recognised Santa and Mrs. Oh, Claus? she will. 
Oh, she will, won't you? You'll recognise them too. And you'll tell them what you'd like, won't you? Yeah. She's going to get toonies for her toonie box and a shelf for her toonie box. And she's going to get books. My name is John Looney and chairperson of the Cox City Hospital Children's Club. John, uh, this is in the 29th year. How many kids do you reckon that you've brought to your Disney and brought and brought to see Santa over the years? Well, my my multiplication isn't that good at the moment, but what I will say to you is uh, about 260 children multiplied by 29 years. And then if you're talking about your Disney, you're talking about a group of 84 people going to your Disney multiplied by 29 years. It's a lot of children, let me tell you. A lot of sick kids over, over the years. It is a lot of sick kids and unfortunately at the moment there's 46 children that even received their wings, you know. And we're always thoughtful of these children and everything else, you know, as we do things. What started it all in the first place? Well, basically there was a group of us working in the Cork University Hospital at the time. And uh, my own daughter Pamela, she was born with a brain tumour and she was taken to Dublin to see Santa Claus. And we went up to see Santa Claus, there was about 46 children from the Cork University Hospital and we got the bus up to Dublin in the bus town and suddenly we said this is not worth it you know like Santa Claus will come to Cork we ask him and we asked Santa Claus could he come to Cork because the children found a very kind of you know getting sick on the bus coming back it was a long day for them and especially when they're sick you know so we said look let's try this in Cork so then we got the, the Gardaí involved we got the fire service involved we got all the emergency service involved we said look will we try this so we did and the first year we did it we did it on a photo house and it was a success. Now, we only brought, I think it was 130 children the first year, just to get us going. And, you know, it was so overwhelming and everything else. We said, look, we do our best. So then the second year, we included uh, the deaf children, because uh, it was very sad for hearing impaired children as well to see Santa Claus. And, you know, it's just kind of awkward as well with the sign language and all that kind of stuff. So uh, Mrs. Claus, the sign language interpreter from the North Pole, she actually comes down on a special day for the deaf children as well, you know. And then we do the Edel House and Enable Ireland and all the other children as well, you know, who can't, you know, go to see Santa for one reason or another, you know. And we're trying to get them all together and we do it over two-day period. My name is Laura Mitchell and together with another teacher, Breed Fahey, uh, in Skullfucker Vera in Carrick 2, we do the choir and we've been involved with Cork City Hospital Children's Club for a number of years. My dad used to work with John Looney so that's kind of how we, we got involved with them and we started bringing the choir to a lot of their events um, and it's absolutely brilliant. We've done their Christmas event a number of years. We've done their Disneyland um, send-off at the airport um, and it's absolutely a highlight of our year in school um, and a lot of the fundraising that we do then in school, we do it for the Cork City Hospital Children's Club. We've also had children from our school go to Disneyland with them so I suppose we've really seen the brilliant work that they do um, and the benefit to our children in school for being a part of such a brilliant charity as well. Santa, you're here. How are things going in the North Pole for all the boys and girls? Very, very, very good. It's very cold up in the North Pole at the moment and myself and Mrs Claus make a big effort every year. Mr Looney, John Looney from the Cork City Hospital Children's Club writes a letter to us and asks us every year will we come down to look after the children of Cork that are looked after by the Cork City Hospital Children's Club. So we make a big effort every year. Every year we'd have a nice and naughty list and this year there's no naughty list. It's all nice and we've been watching that. All the children of Cork are very nice and very good this year. I heard Neil Prentival was on the naughty list though. Is that right? That's when he was a young boy. Now he's on the good list. We'll check him again and we'll see where, where we put him. But I think he's a, he, I think he's on the good list. I'd say it's worth checking again.
Roy Wood and Wizard. Lovely stuff. Can I also say thank you so much to fifth and sixth class from Skull Clucker in uh, Carrick Tool. They sang their hearts out yesterday, and I'm quite sure they're doing the same. Cluck of Wurra in Carrick Tool. And maybe they're there again today. I don't know, but they played a blinder yesterday with some great Christmas carols. Well done to all of them, fifth and sixth class. Right, <laughs> I was talking earlier on this morning because Spotify have just released all of our details as to our listening habits across 2023. Uh, and the lads last night got in touch with me to say, you've got one serious super fan listening to your program uh, on Spotify on a daily basis. <laughs> He's listened 45,094 minutes in 2023 and he is into the point one, that's point one of one percent fans. I mean, it's the highest you can get with regards to somebody who listens to this program on Spotify, whether it's live or else going back and listening to the podcast. And his name, his name is Ben Marsh. <laughs> and I just wanted to commiserate with him. Ben, good morning. Neil, how are you? I'm good. What has possessed you, man, to listen to me for 45,094 minutes so far this year? That, that's only on the, on the podcast where you listen to it all in work during the day. It could be 90,000 minutes a year then. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, that would be 250 working days listening to me um, to like 250 odd shows per year. It's like 750 hours of your yeah. time. <laughs> How did it all start? I'm curious. It, it's well, something to do with your I, nan and I your dad. I grew up in my uh, nan and granddad's house and when we used to, when I used to, in bed like at night she used to have the radio on you know, the repeat at 12 o'clock or whatever time that is and I could hear it from my room so I kind of grew an attachment to listening to it and now no matter if I, if I come home after a few pints or whatever like I'm it's the first thing is that it has to go on. Have you ever missed a show? Have I? No, I'd well, maybe once or twice, but not 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 uh, not a lot, anyway. And your dad then? You made a deal with your dad. He opened a coffee shop in the lock, is it? Yeah, Lulu's. I told him when he when he opened up last year, I asked him one thing just to make sure that you're on every morning. Ah, uh, did he honour the deal? He honoured the deal. It's, uh, I say they're listening to me in their note at the moment. Well, good morning to everybody at Lulu's. I'm sure they have the best of coffee on this cold winter best, morning. Best. And what do you do yourself? I'm, I'm doing a carpentry apprenticeship. I'd say you're going to make a fantastic carpenter, in fairness to you, because you have <laughs> great taste. I, 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 the lad's head's wrecked and worked. So first thing that once nine o'clock comes, even two minutes to nine, put it on, put it ben, on. Ben, 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 thank you so, so much. I just wanted to reach out and say thank you. I want to send you for a bit of dinner or a bit of lunch yourself and whoever you choose to take with you. You have a choice of either going to Cockbull or Corn Store. Do you know those fine restaurants in the city? Yeah, Jesus, that's brilliant. And I tell you, the food in both of them is great. Your choice, whether you want to go to Cockbull on French Church Street or Corn Store on Corn Market Street, just as a gesture of thank you and happy Christmas. There's no need for that, thanks very much. There may not be a need for it, but I want to do it because you're a heck of a guy. Thank you so much for listening. No problem. Happy Christmas to you and all of the family. You too, Neil. Thanks. Take care, Ben. Lovely chatting with you and good luck to your dad and the lovely coffee shop. Lulu's out of the lock. Check it out. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-810-4106. Red FM. Magic beans. Did you ever hear the likes of it? You know the drill. Get on the phone. Meanwhile, while all that's happening... 
Right across the week, we have 300 euro Hanley's gift cards to give away. I want you to nominate who you think deserves it and why. Interesting text. I'd love to nominate my husband, Dennis, all year and especially at Christmas. He spoils us and never spends anything on himself. Never wants presents for himself at Christmas time. I would love if he won the gift card. He'd be able to shop carefree for himself at Hanley's. Fingers and toes crossed as Eileen. Tracy said, you read out my nomination yesterday. My mother heard it. She was going into Dunn's and she was thrilled. It made her day. It's a sad day as with my grandmother's anniversary but I'd still love to nominate my ma'am Catherine Walsh for the Hanley's voucher she goes above and beyond for me and my son I'm raising him alone wouldn't be able to do it without her and Finn in Perry Street said I'd love to nominate Joe from the Salon in Glasheen for the Hanley's voucher despite going through his own ailments which no doubt he will always downplay his energy and goodwill towards everybody else that struggles in everyday life never ceases to amaze me he's great and his crew at the hair salon are selfless and they're looking after the well-being of others and certainly they're all doing it uh, this week as they gather as much as they can for their big Christmas party event this weekend I'll tell you some more about that tomorrow can I get a couple of calls on the air if you don't mind with regards to the voucher Neve. good morning Hi Neve. lovely talking to you I saw the text come in yesterday sad year for you guys first Christmas without yeah. ma'am yeah yeah it's been a really tough year it has and yeah, dad how's dad coping Philip um, he's he's doing the best he can. He is he's do, he's doing the best he can. But um, it was um, it was your mam's oh. favorite time of the year, I think, wasn't it? It was, yeah. It was her favorite time of the year, especially all the lights and stuff. And was she the one that did the tree and the lights and the decorating and everything? Yeah, always. She was always in charge of all the decorating and all that kind of thing. So this year normally it was the weekend of the toy show she'd always have her tree down and that's when she would start so um he actually he went away up himself and he brought it down he put it off even though I know it was very hard was for it him. hard was it hard for him yeah it was and hard for all of you but he did it in fairness to him he did he done it yeah so he just wanted to say how proud we were of him for doing it your place set at the table no, la- no less though for your ma'am God love us I know we did we lost her suddenly in January yeah I know I know but do it in honour of her isn't it true that is yeah that's exactly what we're doing so actually on on Friday myself and my sister are actually going to stay over there with him to do the lights and stuff probably won't do it you won't, probably won't do it as good as ma'am but uh, that's it but we'll try our best you have we'll to pr- you have to praise the effort don't you exactly so um so we're going to stay over with him on Friday night and do the rest of them, do it as best we can to light it up for her. I know, light the house up the way she'd want it. Lovely story, lovely story. Commiserations, condolences. Stay listening for now, Nia. Olivia, good morning. Hi, how are you? How's it going? Tell me about, was it George? Is it George or Max broke their leg? It was George. George broke his leg in July. How do you, how do, you do that? Was he playing, playing soccer? Football. Soccer, yeah, yeah. He plays the Corinthians. So um, he broke it in July. So in the cast for the summer, as you can imagine, with a nine, nine-year-old. <laughs> and um, he got the all-clear and was just out of the cast, back playing football, broke it again. So we're back to square one now. What? What? <laughs> yeah. what? Yeah. I know, I shouldn't laugh. How did he break it a second? You wouldn't mind if it was Max broken after George. But I know. Do you know what? It probably, it just hadn't, um, it wasn't strong enough, so too much too soon and... The, same, the exact same thing, bad tackle again. 
broke it, so he's back in the cast now. I know, I'd be here all day now, and I won't keep you. I'm not a medical man, but was it the same place he broke it? Was the, the same, same place, yeah. He yeah, re-broke yeah. the break. He re-broke the break, that's it. <laughs> so, back to square one now, so he's not very happy now, back in the, the big cast again. He needs to, to play in gold, Nafla. That's it, he does. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> next year. Yeah. Get him between the six, for God's sake. I know, I know, just bad luck, you know. And is he kind of a bit fed up of it with the run into Christmas and everything, uh, old Georgie boy? He is. He's fed up. So I actually, I have the Christmas tree up weeks. I, I put that up probably like the middle of November just to cheer him up a bit. So um, I'm sick of looking at the tree now. And how would a 300 euro voucher work for him, I wonder? Well, you know what? Now, the two of them are kind of on and on and on about outdoor Christmas lights and we don't have any. So, um, bring Christmas lights cool. in that was in the other day and they're the heavy duty lights yeah. even, and even I heard you talking even yeah, Max yeah, and George wouldn't be able to make hames of yeah. it but I think if they go in there they're probably more inclined to want to get the super duper train sets that go around the oh, bottom yeah, of the tree yeah. yeah and they'd still yeah, have change yeah. out of the 300 I think the minute they see them they're going to want one that goes around probably. the end of the tree yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, yeah, they'd love that. <laughs> but yeah, he's just a bit feeling sorry for himself now at the moment. I know you so. must be mortified. <laughs> Corinthians put up a big welcome back sign, a he big did. post online, and he went back and yeah. broke his leg again. So, yeah, we had to text him to take it down. We, we thought, oh, and they, they were very good. He plays with the um, Development Academy, and they've got him new boots and everything to welcome him back. Stop. For sure, the boots are back in the cupboard and he'll probably outgrow them. All right, all right, all right. I've heard enough. There's a 300 euro voucher in it for George and Max. They're allowed oh, to They're Thanks allowed to spend whatever they want now, all right? Yeah, I'll bring them with me and they, they can choose. All right, okay. Happy <laughs> Christmas. Have a lovely Christmas. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. long wiping the smile off my face, lads. Shane McGowan has died. And it's just news that is breaking as I speak. The Pogue star Shane McGowan uh, dies in uh, at 65 years of age. Been unwell for quite some time, um, and I just see it being posted online there. Of course, frontman of the Pogues and his song "Fairy Tale in New York" will be played even more uh, this Christmas time than ever before. He had suffered from several health issues in recent years. And it's heartbreaking news. It comes to all of us, but I think we have a very special fondness and always had uh, for Shane McGowan. I interviewed him once some years ago. One of the most amazing moments actually had Shane McGowan and he had Ronnie Drew in the same studio some years back. And uh, you could just feel, um, you know, the presence of McGowan when he was in the studio and he was in the room. Big, big, tall man, big man, uh, sadly uh, passed away. And the news has just been announced yesterday or yesterday or on him. It's very sad. Shane McCown has died. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts.